Well, hello. 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 Why was that Have so high pitched? It was so high pitched. Uh, Only dogs could hear it. <laughs> I didn't hear it. Yes, I could get away with that. Just putting out an empty sound file for the podcast this week. We may as well do just that. No, ours is, like people say on radio shows, have we got a fun-filled chock-a-block show for you today? No, we haven't. <laughs> chock-a-block? Have we, don't I don't say? think we've ever done chock-a-block ever, have we? I'm Victoria Mitzi. Victoria Mitzi. What podcasts were made for. Welcome to our podcast, and before I forget to say it, because I forget every bi-week, thank you for follows, listens, and love, and things like that. Yes, thank you very much, everybody. That's really kind of you to follow us and listen to us. (sighs) I'm a journalist. That sounds sincere enough. No. I'm a journalist (laughs) and a funster. (laughs) A muddy funster. And I like to get sweaty. Oh, God. And I like to have secrets like my other job. And I'm a journalist. Bye-bye. Thanks. How about you, Ben? (laughs) I I used to be a journalist. I was a journalist for 30 years. I worked for ITN, BBC, Sky, briefly, even. Um, And then I quit in 2019. I had 30 years at the coalface of news. I had had enough. And now I run a little company, a little hobby business, which I enjoy doing very much indeed. And, and we it's are going your... surprisingly not shit. Well done. That's like um, my last appearance on telly that you said was surprising. I quoted, I put it on my website, surprisingly not this shit. Is, it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember saying it? Yeah, but when, when are you next going to be on telly? I think everybody would love to see you on telly again. Well, when I'm paid for it. Um, because have, they hired, have they fired your sorry ass? Kicked you to the curb. Listen, enough of uh, Ben being nasty to me. Uh, that's not what this podcast is sold on, you twat. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, rumbly smoker cough. Did you hear that? I, I used to be a smoker. I quit 20 years ago, though. No, hang on. I think we quit at about the same now. time. You I quit I. in nineteen. No, I mean, I quit long before you must have quit. I quit in nineteen ninety eight when my daughter was um, uh, yeah. two years old. My I was still happily and, and, smoking away. No, when the young, the eldest one was born, that was right. And um, that's twenty five years ago. I'm a non smoker. I bet you were much more fun when you were a smoker. Everyone's more fun. Almost certainly, smoker. yeah. I definitely was. Yeah. We can't. Be I think less you do fun. have the great thing about smoking is not the actual smoking. Although I was completely addicted to nicotine, I was the kind of smoker who'd wake up and think, "Oh, great! Just five seconds till my first cigarette." Did of the you? Day. I love but, that. Yeah. But I think I think as a smoker, you generally are sort of I don't know more fun. I think I think non-smokers are a bit boring and pious and tedious. The only yeah, good and thing you get more breaks at work as well. S- yeah, you don't you don't smell as much, and you hopefully aren't going to die of lung cancer. Well, you might if you decide to just sort of shit and piss in your pants all the time, then you might. Well, smell more. We, well, like, like somebody we're about to talk about later in the podo, they just <laughs> died in their their, their own <laughs> shit and piss, didn't they? I thought that was funny because I was I got them crossed over to something else. That is really not funny. Yeah, we're talking about hideous <laughs> crimes. Okay, first yes, of all, we're talking about yeah. Sorry, I got it crossed over <laughs> because we talk about lots of people who shit and piss themselves. That's kind of <laughs> one of our major strands. <laughs> um, I've got to be careful when I laugh because it becomes an old witch. You might shit yourself. <laughs> <laughs> <Don't>. <laughs> you might lose control of your sphincter. 
I do expect a little bit of wee-wee to come out sometimes. <laughs> Are you sitting on your heel just in case? I actually am. <laughs> Excellent. So, so even if you lose sphincter control, nothing need emit, be emitted. <laughs> I don't know. It might come out somewhere else if you suppress it somewhere, like, like oh. a Mr Potato Head. So today... That's lovely. I'm very chesty. Sounds a bit rude. Oh, God, no, you're not. What's her name? Chesty Morgan. We talked about her last Chesty podcast. Morgan. That's in the Serial Mom, isn't it? Chesty Morgan. What's Serial Mom? Serial no, Mom is the film with Kathleen Turner as this mother who's a serial killer. And the first person she kills, she kills because apparently they were wearing white shoes before Labor Day, which is a joke that completely goes above my head because I'm not American, but apparently it's it a sounds like a good deal. premise. Yeah. It sounds like the, a Mitzi type of premise to get rid, to exterminate somebody. Right, we are getting our serious hats on now because we're going to talk about the Nicola Bully disappearance, but we do realise that it's quite time sensitive and by the time this hits your ears, you'll probably have heard a little bit, I hope we'll have heard a little bit more about the case. And I've also been putting it out on our YDLMF Twitter because I'm not sure whether our worldwide friends will be that aware of the mother of two who has disappeared in Lancashire. Well, tell we'll us also be... more then. Oh, shall I just say we're talking <laughs> That's about right. no, no, no. A, a neglect case which has led to a girl's death in the UK as well, a 16-year-old, and her parents have been in court. So that's another case that we're talking about and some more uplifting stuff towards the end of the podcast. Shall we crack on, as they say? Yes, please do. Smashing. Okay, so on with Kalia. That's the way I'm pronouncing her name. A 16-year-old girl who it's died. Kaylee, becoming... isn't it? K-A-Y-L-E-A. Yeah. How do you spell... How would you say L-E-A? Kaylea. Okay. Fair enough. I'd say Kaylee, but okay. Fair enough. Oh, would you say Kaylee? Let's... But if it was Kaylee, it was L-E-I-G-H, isn't it? Okay. Fair enough. Then go for okay. Kaylee if you want. So... The 16-year-old's body was found on soiled sheets and police noted an unbearable rotting smell. This is following on from us having gone back to Daniel Pelker's case, one that you covered, and yeah. that was that was only a couple of podcasts ago now. And I've also had a quick Google. In the last five years, the NSPCC says there's an average of 58 child deaths by assault or undetermined intent a year in the UK. So I just wanted to give a bit of context with that. Kalia's father, Alan Titford, from Newton Powys in Wales, denies manslaughter by gross negligence at Mould Crown Court. Kalia's mother, Sarah Lloyd-Jones, previously admitted the same charge. So Kalia had spina bifida, which left her with little feeling from the waist down, limiting her mobility and she'd used a wheelchair from a young age. When she was found dead at her home, she was morbidly obese, weighing nearly 23 stone. That's 146 kilograms, the court heard. Caroline Reese, KC, <laughs> said, Kalia Titford was living in conditions unfit for any animal, let alone a vulnerable 16-year-old girl who depended entirely on others for her care. Her hair was dirty and matted, and she was unwashed with ulcerated skin. The court was told on the morning of the 10th of October 2020, the court heard how a 999 call was made. That's our emergency services number here. 
by Mr Tipford's mother before paramedics were sent to her house and Kalia's body was found. As well as lying on soiled bedclothes, she had numerous sores and areas of infection. The details are really horrible. There were maggots and, and so forth. The neglect had also taken an impact on other parts of her body. Um, for example, her socks were, in effect, stuck to her feet and the paramedics were feeling physically sick when they arrived, as well as the people who were removing her body. So it's terribly, terribly sad. And as I said, those statistics are quite shocking, really. 58 child deaths a year in the UK due to similar situations. So what was found also was that the family would be lazy about her care, having takeaways most nights of the week and watching TV when she'd be sitting in her bed and her room was not clean at all. Um, And apparently it smelt a lot. There were lots of flies and she hadn't been seen out of bed since before lockdown. So I think what's interesting about this story is how you've had a court proceedings here that have seen a couple, one has admitted and the other one has been convicted of uh, manslaughter by neglect in the sense that you have this child um, who has got a condition which, as you've explained, means that she can't move on her own. They put her into bed and effectively just left her there because they couldn't be bothered to look after her. Um, The court heard that um, Titford had six children with Lloyd-Jones and they would order takeaways four or five nights a week. And Titford said in court that he thought Kaylee had put on two to three stone uh, in the period since March because... Um, the UK lockdown, the COVID lockdown, seems to have prompted this in the sense that the family couldn't go in there, it couldn't go anywhere. Uh, she was put into this bed and fed on nothing but takeaways, completely inactive, not exercised at all. And you'll recall during uh, lockdowns, we people were allowed out for an hour a day just to do exercise. That was the point of it. But of course, she couldn't or wouldn't or wasn't taken out for exercise. She um, just put on weight in this bed. Clearly, um, Titford and Lloyd-Jones were just either, well, neglectful, too uncaring to do anything to help her. They seemed to have lacked any kind of self-discipline when it came to uh, what kind of food they would allow her to consume because she wasn't getting it for herself. It was clearly being brought to her. Um, And it's interesting that a jury clearly found, because he... he, um, pleaded not guilty but they they took seven hours and ten minutes to reach a, a unanimous verdict um that he was um guilty of manslaughter by neglect um and i think that uh, what this shows is that you know you might say that it's difficult to prove something like that but quite clearly it isn't you can you know a jury will sensibly look at this look at what's happened to this poor poor child and be very clear about who is who is culpable and who is to blame for this and it's nobody except uh, alan titford and Sarah Lloyd-Jones. Mm. Mr. Titford did try to palm it off on her mother, his partner, and say that Kaylee's mother was the primary carer and that he wasn't aware of the state of his daughter's living conditions or the deterioration of her physical state. So as often happens in these kind of cases, it becomes uh, adversarial and people try to, obviously, wiggle their way out of responsibility which is even more shocking when you look at the case really yeah um, i mean it, mm. he, he he kind of claimed that 
um, when she reached puberty, he had stepped back from caring because he didn't feel comfortable. But I'm reasonably confident that um, the jury saw through that. I mean, the um, the prosecutor, Caroline Rees, said that um, asked him whether he uh, agreed with his response when he was arrested uh, about why Kaylee had got into such a state. He said it's mine and Sarah's fault. Um, Caroline Rees said, did he still agree with this? Um, and that he had a duty as much as Kaylee's mum, and he agreed with that. And she said, you chose through laziness to do nothing. Yes, he replied. So you're as much to blame for Kaylee's death as Sarah Lloyd-Jones is. Yes, he replied. So, I mean, he talked himself into a manslaughter conviction there, but, I mean, it's it's clear to anybody that this is just two, you know, people who aren't actually fit to be parents who have neglected this poor child um, to the point where she um, died. I think it's important to mention as well that she was very active and it shows the role that parents play. So prior to lockdown starting in March 2020, she'd been competing in Paralympic sports. They did have some quotes on the news from her coach who said, you know, he felt guilty that he perhaps should have played more of a role when she disappeared and didn't return to sport. But then again, how could anybody have envisaged that it was this bad? You know, he wouldn't have known that, but she was very promising at, at sport, apparently. So, and she had a great sense of humour as well, which is, you know, it's important to see these people who are victims of such heinous crimes as people in their own right and people full of life. You know, and what she had to offer. Apparently she was very sarcastic, which we might empathise with. She's been great on this um, podcast then. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, um, yeah, so it's even more sad then. Go on. I think what's tragic here is that also, I mean, here we go again. There will be a safeguarding review, which, you know, the authorities are saying must leave no stone unturned. And the um, Cymru's NSPCC uh, Assistant Director, Tracy Holdsworth, is quoted as saying, no child should be subjected to the horrific treatment Kayla Tipford was prior, was prior to her tragic death. And we all know that. But the tragedy is within homes... If you've got people like uh, Alan Titford and Sarah Lloyd-Jones who have children and are prepared to basically not, not fulfil their parental duties, then it's very difficult to see how how this can be prevented. Because the practical reality is you, the social services and social workers can't just snoop around into every home all the time. Uh, you just have to trust that people who are parents will behave in a responsible way. The tragedy is... That there are some people who just aren't fit to be parents, and and that's that, and it's mm. it's utterly shocking and awful, and you know you've got to have huge, enormous sympathy for poor Kaylee, but you know this will happen again. I'm afraid to say, you know, we mm. know it will. Mm. And it is important and on to that cover happy the. Note. <laughs> it's important to cover the cases for as much as you and I balance and we say, oh well, we should you know we should find a funny to to balance this story. I just think it's what outweighs everything is bringing these cases to light. And certainly at the moment, it's, it's uh, very much doom and gloom in the news. So we thought we'd give you more um, that's kind of talking of that. But this next case is just bizarre. Don't you find it's when you have missing people, I just can't handle it. Let me just say that as a precursor. <laughs> handle it. Why can't you handle missing people? I can't handle having nothing. Oh, okay. As you know, when, when I don't get any responses <laughs> on things, I love yes. it. Yeah. I'm quite patient in that yeah. circumstance. <laughs> yes. 
you don't handle it well being ignored. Um, I think the issue here, I, I, I mean, I've seen that her partner has been saying how he he's a hundred percent sure she didn't go in the river. I mean, the circumstances are that um, she went out to walk her dog. She was on connected to a Teams call with work colleagues. I think she was a mortgage broker or something. Um, she's with this dog. Mm. Uh, at the at the side of a steep bank down into the river, they find the phone just left on a park bench. They find the dog harness, and there's and and the dog is found later, and there's no trace of her. Now the police think she slipped, fallen, probably trying to get the dog or something. Maybe the dog struggled on its harness. She's unleashed the harness. The dog's gone running off. She's tried to go after it, slipped and tumbled into the river. The river's very cold at this time of year in the UK, and. I don't know how fast it was flowing. Um, the theory, I believe, is that she's been washed away. They've been looking in the the river there flows into uh, the Morecambe Bay. Uh, and so they've been also, you know, searching around the area where the river flows into the estuary there. The difficulty is, I mean, people blithely say, oh, yes, police divers are searching the river. But, you know, river water is invariably very dark and very dirty. It's really, you know, you have to actually literally search fingertip to fingertip. You you know, you're not really seeing anything. You're searching largely by feel. I've spoken to police divers about this in the past. And they say it's not as simple as just sort of swimming around and saying, oh, look, there's somebody over there. It's not like that at all. You're literally, you know, you're moving inch by inch, finger, you know, looking, seeing what you can feel with your fingers. And often you feel something before you can even identify what it is. Now, you know... Rivers are big and they, they're wide and <laughs> they have water flowing through them. I think it's not a trivial uh, job by any stretch to search a length, a stretch of river for a body. And people seem to think, oh, it would take five minutes. It's not like that at all. I still think her body, and if her body has already been washed out into the estuary there, it may well be that it'll never be found if it's been washed out into deeper water. Although usually right. um, bodies float and usually there are then later the currents will bring them back in. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if, possibly even before this podcast is is aired, if um, her body is sort of washed up. I mean, looking at where she would, would have emerged from the river into Morecambe Bay at a, near a place called Not End, um, it's quite possible that, you know, her, the, 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 the land then cuts in quite a long way before it sort of goes up northward. So it's, it's possible that somewhere sort of north of there, around sort of you know maybe maybe sort of south of Morecambe is the most likely place where her body if she is in the river which I suspect she probably is uh, despite what her partner says um, I suspect that's the most likely place where it'll be uh, it'll be found. Friend of the podcast Mark Williams Thomas has been involved in some broadcasting about the case and uh-huh. um, I do follow what Mark says because I think he has an informed very insightful take on crime. Love oh, him yes, or definitely. hate it. Love him or perhaps not so much. Yeah. There's been accusations that this recent interview that um, Paul Lancel, so the partner of 45-year-old Nicola, he's 100% convinced her body isn't in the river. And that the interview that he did in which this quote was taken from was a setup by police it's coordinated by police to to analyze him and his body language and so on and and mark williams thomas is saying this is absolutely not the case this isn't the way that the police work but it's also quite indicative of how this case is being muddied by people who flock to the scene as well that might be 
to do with the fact that they couldn't really analyze things like footprints and stuff because there's been nothing about that so I, I'm guessing with the rain and the riverside that might be a difficult task they've searched the river thoroughly in the part where she could have been and as you say the body could have been washed out but apparently there were other there was other police activity in that river at the time that she went missing so you know uh-huh. it was kind of a, it was timely for an investigation like this that they could coordinate with their colleagues police aren't saying much they were saying they were keeping an open mind to other circumstances and evidence but they thought that she had fallen into the river they said that was their news line for quite a while so her partner has now come back and said he doesn't think that's the case so where this can go that this woman in the space of 20 minutes of dropping off her two kids at school, going and making a work call, which was left connected. What has happened to her? What's, what do you think well, then? Well, I've told you my theory. I think that the dog um, was playing around on its harness. She decides to take the dog's harness off and let it go for a run while she's on her team's call. She sees the dog perhaps run towards the river, maybe even jump in the river. She's worried about that. She puts the phone down very quickly, thinking, well, it's a team's call. There are other people on it. They won't notice if I just disappear for a couple of seconds while I quickly run and get my dog. She goes down. It's a steep bank. She stumbles, falls. She's in the water. And the water at that time is incredibly cold. And you can get quite quick. You you can get, you know, a, a, a shock response that means you almost immediately take an intake of breath. And if your face is under the water when you do that, you can drown very, very quickly. And I'm not saying that's what happened, but that seems to me the most obvious and likely scenario. Um, and as I said, if if you know if somebody is swept away and if the river is flowing quite fast, um, it's it finding a body in a river is not as trivial as people sometimes think. Having said all that, um, I don't believe that the pre- the police have put the um, partner up to do a, an interview as part of a setup or a sting. I mean, that was something the police used to do in the 90s. I remember that famously there was a case of a guy called John Tanner who uh, murdered his girlfriend, uh, Rachel McLean. He strangled her to death, I think, in Oxford. And he was put up to do a, a, an interview. And they did the same thing with Sean Jenkins as well when he was suspected of murdering uh, his um uh, his adopted daughter, Billy Joe Jenkins. Mm, and which we covered. It, 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 which we've covered, um, which I covered, yeah, I went to that trial. Now, there have been various cases where that what that was definitely a tactic the police used in the late and in the mid to late 90s. I believe it's fallen out of favour. I don't think it's something that they do now. And I think if they've been clear that their theory, the police have been clear their theory or their, their main theory is that she has gone into the water, they wouldn't be as clear on that if they honestly thought that her, his, her partner... Um, had anything to do with it at all so i i don't believe that police believe that and i i think it's i mean if 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 it was he would not attack her or you know there's how could he do something while she's on a team's call but it's just not going to happen is it if it's if it's an uninterrupted team's call i doubt he's going to find a way to you know get near to her and then cause her harm um at that point he would pick a different time to do it I think what baffles me, what what distresses me, is that there it's not known. You know, I can't yeah. say that conclusively, you know. And I can't, you know, I think that you've said something which I didn't actually think of because I I think people always dismiss how easy it is to drown. Mm. You know, because yeah, it it's such an unlikely thing. Yeah, to, what did they say? They, they warn you with children, don't they, that it takes a very tiny yeah. amount of water in which they yes. could drown, which caused me great nerves and <laughs> constant supervision of my daughter whenever she was near water. I, I think something that, that 
I'm not sure if it was the other way around. Say, for example, if it was the man who was disappeared and the woman and the children were left, I think that there hasn't been such a public outpouring of sympathy towards her partner, Paul, who's now spoken out. I mean, how bloody awful for him and the girls to be without, and their family and their friends to be without. I know that this is, when people say, ooh, our thoughts are with them. You know, now I really do empathise with that situation that those kids losing their mum for a week, even if, you know, and no answer, it's absolutely terrible. So um, that's one that has gripped the nation, really. So if you're listening, if you're one of our international listeners, uh, we hope we've brought you up to date. And who knows where... It will be by the time you listen to this. I'm really hoping, of course, I hope. Oh, okay. I'm getting I'm getting the wrap it up gesture from Ben Ando. Um, <laughs> oh, can I say something? If, if you are listening from far afield, I'll give you our email. You didn't let me finish podcast at gmail.com. And I'd like to hear from people who listen in interesting places, not just boring old Devon where I live. Uh, I think that's okay, us. Well, we'll be back, back next time. Oh, didn't, aren't you back from some kind of jolly? quickly haven't you haven't you got a hangover uh, today just checking up yeah, on i did you. go out in london i went out in london yesterday with my um, business partner and a, a guy we work with a lot who we like and we had a lot of, <laughs> quite a fun time it was which oh a, i thought I it was a boozy thing it was a, it was a boozy lunch yeah and I can strongly okay. recommend market halls in Victoria, just near Victoria Station, because it's like a a, a big bar, but it's got like loads of little street food vending things around the edge. Oh, the that sounds nice. It, although street food I, makes me think I'm going to leave hungry. Well, you can always just go and buy more. Just I know. Go and buy more. If you need more, oh. go and buy more. Oh, piggies! And piggies finally waddle the... out. Did you eat a lot? Yeah, actually, no, I, I think I did put on about a stone yesterday, but I'm going to work it off in the gym. When you tweeted a picture, I asked you if you were in oh Shepherd's Bush, Shebu, yes. because it, all those pubs, those joints from that beer are all the same. They all look the same. It's a chain, is it? They do. Yeah, it's all lots of wood and like, oh, and they have this, they have this brew dog beer and it's the only one they have. And I tried it. And it's horrible. It tastes like soap. Well, yeah. I mean, what a recommendation. Soapy beer and tiny little snacks. Mustn't miss well, out on, on the, that the, gaff. No, this, hold on, hold on, hold on. The snacks weren't tiny. I actually had a very okay. generously proportioned uh, buttermilk chicken wrap with cheesy fries. Oh, that sounds mm. quite Food nice. Food of the gods. Wait, it was I, tasty. Didn't think, a... I didn't think you'd be mini snacko dado. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm big o snacko. I'm snacko gigantico. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't. Co- smokers coffee about to happen (laughs) right okay well thanks for another week thanks for listening let us know you're listening we love you bye 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 Bye, ben